0: think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right. Welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here and with me back again, Tyler Smith. How you doing, brother? I'm great, man. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we jumped on, on this uh, podcast, we were talking hunting. And at the recording of this podcast, the rifle season here in Montana is winding to a close. Uh, are things kind of wrapped up there in Texas as well?
1: No, they are not. They start the first Saturday of November and then it goes all the way till about the the, uh, first week of January. So it's a long time down here in Texas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've got a a decent archery season, uh, I guess, comparatively. um, All of our seasons are shorter compared to yours. And when we get a tag, we can only get one deer per tag. You guys get like five?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It's two bucks and three doe, I believe.
0: Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I took my kids out, uh, hunting this time around and for some of them, it was their first time hunting. My daughter even got involved and, uh, we saw a lot of animals. Uh, we did not harvest anything, but, uh, we got to see some activity and we got, we got to teach them a little bit about moving around in the woods. It was fun. Did you get anything this year?
1: That's what it's about. Yeah. I, I shot a buck the opening weekend. Um, Got it yeah. processed, and then we ate it for Thanksgiving. So, that was a lot of fun. I haven't shot a deer in a, in a few years, so that was fun. Cool. So, you provided the Thanksgiving feast? Yeah, like the, um, the, old days. Not the not the <laughs> day of. I think we ate it, like, it, Thanksgiving was Thursday, so we did all the turkey, and then on Friday, we had venison.
0: So, are you... As an uncle, are you taking out nephews and nieces and getting them in behind a rifle and teaching them to shoot? Is that something yeah, Granger's doing? What's going I on? I really that?
1: want to. I've been yeah. joking around like with Lincoln um, when Granger's not around. I'm like, hey man, I'm, I know because Granger wants Lincoln and he, his his philosophy is right. He wants Lincoln to practice a lot, and then he wants him to get a doe first before a buck which uh, is totally understandable yeah. and the right way to go about it. But I'll joke around with Lincoln and be like, hey, man, if you come with me, I'll let you shoot the biggest buck you see. It's uh, <laughs> because you're the uncle. You're to do that. You- yeah. But uh, he's got behind the rifle a few times um, and done really well. So probably next That's season great. will be, I think, his first his first deer. Now, do
0: you guys kind of stick to the same area because it's your family ranch, and so that's just the territory you know, or do you venture off that that territory?
1: When we can, if we, you know, Granger gets invited and, and stuff, you know, on, on different hunts. But yeah, that's that's ninety nine percent of the time. That's where I'm hunting is out there in Central Texas at, at Mom's place. Um, yeah. So I'm actually I'm actually trying to figure out when I can go back out there again. Probably. I'd like to be out there, depending on Christmas plans, that whole week if I can, to do some hunting.
0: Right on. So yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this before, but I want to get you boys up here to Montana, and uh, we're gonna just have to make sure you're in shape because you don't get to sit uh, inside of an air conditioned uh, hunting yeah. stand when wait for the feeder to go off. Like we got, to eat. we're gonna to need to make sure you guys are in shape to hike.
1: Yeah, that's what I hear. I'm ready.
0: <laughs> it'll be good we'll get you in front of something and uh we'll replace uh some antlers in your office with a huge elk a bull elk head or something like that that would
1: be sweet yeah that would be sweet
0: i'm also uh i've gone bear hunting once with no success but uh this winter i've been invited to go on a mountain lion hunt there's uh actually one of uh, our other one of my other previous guests on the podcast is uh, he's a houndsman. So he's got a team of hounds and we're going to try to go out and and uh, tree a lion and and shoot it. So
1: that'd be, that'd be fun. fun. We y'all have so much game up there. We we do, too. But um, it's just different. I guess we do the same thing down here in Texas with hogs. Yeah where you get mm-hmm. these dogs and, and you can, you can go, you know, pin them and corn them. And, and cause down here in Texas, the hogs are a big problem. So they mess up all the right. fields and some of them eat fawns um, and that sort of thing. So that's a lot of fun. I've done that one time before.
0: Here, the, uh, the local menace is a wolf. The, the wolf mm-hmm. was re, wolves were reintroduced. I can't remember how long ago, but they, they've just have, they're prolific. They, they have, increased in number and so they're actually affecting the elk herds up here and driving them away and uh yeah, it's messing with cattle and so there's there's some major issues around the wolf population and so you can get tags and you can trap them, you can do all kinds of stuff with them, but they're really hard to hunt, so yeah, people are trying to get rid of wolves, but it would be fun to hunt a wolf for sure. And they're huge, they're huge, they're not like coyotes, I tell you. Well, uh, as, as much as it's fun to talk hunting, uh, I'd love to know, yeah, anything kind of new in your world as far as what the Lord's teaching you, things that you're learning, uh, places you've been in the Word that
1: have challenged you? Um, probably the most apparent to me is just my, my love for going to my local church. And, you know, where it's just mm. been a big change for me where, you know, I, I used to, to not go at least not go regularly and even when I did go it was kind of a uh, you know do I have to it's sunday morning that you know and that's totally flipped for me now where I look forward to to sunday mornings um uh, and get excited about going mm-hmm. and the community and the friendships that are building and the relationship with my pastor and um it's becoming everything that the lord says it is and should be in his word you mm-hmm. know and I'm I'm really I starting don't... to see that so that's exciting I love it. Is it pastor Marshall? It is.
0: No, he's a good guy. I need to have him back on the podcast soon. We haven't touched base for a while, but yeah, he's He's awesome. He's a great brother, a great pastor. He's got a great heart. And so I can imagine the, uh, the way that he shepherds is probably very life-giving. Um, he's, he's a good dude.
1: It is. I love it. It's the relationship I have with them. It's like, is it supposed to be this way? Like, like so awesome. Like he's just a friend, and then also just so knowledgeable and mm-hmm. and, and and so wise. And I I don't know. I don't know anything to compare it to, really. But you know, I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah. And so, the, what the Lord's teaching you in this season is the the value of the local church, your church family. Yeah and what it what that what that's intended to be and how life giving that can be
1: yeah i mean i could go on and on but just you know just just being in that community and being with people in person you know online's great when when you have to i guess but so much more important to be there in community face-to-face yeah. and and just the importance of a life-giving healthy church how important that is
0: yeah it's it's interesting i don't i mean I don't know if this is the place to talk about it, but I I've often struggled with the idea of online church. I, th- I think it's valuable because there are there are many people who uh, because of physical reasons, they can't make it to a you know, a congregation. They can't make it on a Sunday morning or or whenever mm-hmm. their their church family meets. And so there's certainly something there where that is a great resource. But then I'm always conflicted with how, how excellent or how convenient should we make the online experience in order to really cause people to want to be there in person, because that is exponentially more valuable and life-giving. And so Mm -hmm. if we make it too, too much of a good replacement, we run the risk of people not wanting to engage at all. So I'm curious what your thoughts would be.
1: Yeah, I think it's very dangerous, um, you know, because you can you can just stay in your pajamas and be like, oh, I'm just gonna have breakfast and, and listen to it or watch it online, and that and if that becomes a yeah. habit, that's a bad habit to get into. And to be honest, I don't even think our church has online. I could be wrong, and and mm. it could be something, but I'm pretty sure we don't. And I, again, it's just the the community, um, how important it is. Like, I know that there's somebody that, like you, you mentioned, if you can't physically come, you know, then maybe online can be beneficial, but I know that there is somebody that can't come to our church and we have somebody, another member that goes to pick them up every Sunday morning and brings them to the service. So just, you know, again, just having, having just really good people, you know, God fearing people and, and, and they go to church and, and realize that you know they can, they can lend a hand and help somebody like that and bring them. I mean, it's just really cool to see yeah. and hear those kind of stories.
0: Yeah, it's powerful and it's a blessing for both parties. The person that's being picked up experiences a certain expression of love and the person that gets to serve in that way receives a particular blessing I think that you don't get if you don't serve. And so I think you're right, right. there's... It's complex, but it's it's awesome, this local church thing. And so I'm encouraged to hear that that's something that is really developing for you. Um, and I hope that folks listening would would maybe uh, maybe be curious based on your experience and go try it for themselves. I think that would be good. Yeah, yeah. and if if people listening, if if there's ever if you need help trying to find a local church, that's something that I've done for several people. Um, of course, now I hope I don't get inundated with a bunch of requests for helping, fi- you know, being able to find a church, but certainly I'm able to, to commit some resources to helping people find a local church to be a part of because I think that's so important. And for some people, they don't live near a healthy church. And so it may involve a commute, and, and I get that. But again, the sacrifice is worth it. Whenever you are asked or expected to sacrifice, that's something we see. Early on in the book of Acts, we saw the local church sacrificing uh, and putting aside their own preferences in order to be a unified body of believers and the blessing that came with it. So yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, we came together on this podcast to take and read the word of God. So let's, we're going to do that now. Uh, We did pray before we got onto this podcast, which I think is, is crucial when you're beginning to read the word. Uh, to consult the author, to talk to the Lord, and ask for insight, and we did that, and then just to kind of Tyler to catch you up, uh, what we have been talking about in recent episodes has really been the journey of Saul who will become Paul and his conversion experience. So we've been taking a look at the various things that have happened uh, in his coming to Christ and how he was led to Christ and his immediate response and. We see that, you know, he is somebody who is extremely zealous for the Lord and so much so that he thought that Christians were were the ones that were the enemy of God that were distorting the truth, and so he was ready to wipe them off the planet. And he was given orders from the high priests and given uh, kind of complete authority to go to Damascus and gather up the believers there and imprison them and do whatever he needed to do to, to deter them. And on his way there, he meets Jesus Christ. He uh, Jesus appears to him, and he is blinded physically. But in that moment, he is spiritually given sight. Where he was spiritually blind, he is now spiritually able to see and is made physically blind as a part of this process that God is teaching him something. And so he he goes. And, and that is a pretty impactful experience. And it's several days before his sight returns and a faithful messenger, Ananias, comes to him and gives him a message from the Lord that this is what his task is to be. So then Saul returns to Jerusalem and is, although they were reluctant at first because they're like, you're telling me this Saul guy who's kind of been trying to kill us all he wants to come and join us and so after Barnabas kind of vouched for him he was led into the fellowship of believers and was with them but then was regularly teaching uh, in the synagogues and other places and so what what you would imagine would happen is that now those that he used to be with are opposed to him because he's now a Christian and so all those that were you know Pharisees and a part of the Jewish leadership structure because he is he's a he's able to, he's very convincing, he knows the scriptures well, and he's trying to convince them how Jesus is in fact the fulfillment of all the prophecies, and he is the Messiah. So now they don't have a good argument against him, so their their go-to is, let's just try to kill him. So there are several plots to try to kill Saul uh, emerge, and he's able to evade those and it kind of finishes out in verse 31, recognizing that they, the believers then send Paul or Saul off to Tarsus, which is his hometown, and kind of get him out of Jerusalem. So he's sent off. And it says that around that area in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, there was peace. And uh, it was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. And so... The gospel is spreading and the church is growing and is healthy. So then we turn to verse 32, and we're just going to read 32 through 35. So just a few short verses today and take a look at what we have here. So I'm reading out of the ESV, chapter 9, verse 32. How about you? Are you in NIV? I'm in NIV. Copy that. righty. well, let's jump in. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise, make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. We're just going to stop there. We could go on, and there's another account of an amazing healing happening, but I just want to stop with this one. Uh, So in the the narrative of Acts, the attention turns away from Paul and back to Peter, and it says that Peter's going around here and there, and he went off to this region called uh, Lydda, And he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, paralyzed. And in the name of Jesus Christ, he heals him. The man rises, walks, and everyone there is turned to the Lord. So it seems pretty straightforward. It seems pretty simple, but I think there's probably a lot to unpack here. So as you read that, um, you know, we understand Peter... We understand Aeneas uh, and his situation. Uh, is there anything else that you see in this passage that you would kind of wonder what's that about? What kind of explaining needs to happen there?
1: No. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, nothing, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward to me. I mean, it seems very, you know, two things come to mind, faith and action. You know, he, mm. he had to have faith that what Peter was saying was true, you know, cause he's been bedridden for eight years and paralyzed. So he had to have obviously a strong faith. And then yeah. with that, he had to have action to actually get up, you know, start starts with the faith and then the action to get up.
0: Yeah. I'm just trying to look in the, uh, the back of my Bible and one of these maps to see if I can find either of the, these locations, either Lida or Sharon, to see where they are in proximity to Jerusalem. But the map that I have here doesn't seem to show them. Yeah, I don't know how far away it is.
1: Huh. Anyway, you don't know where I don't know that, where that that's as
0: important. Where? Yeah, I don't know where there's a located in relation to Jerusalem or kind of you know what would have been the hub at that point. Because it seems like in the book of Acts, there's this very intentional movement of the gospel as it emanates from Jerusalem and beyond. And at the end of 31, you see the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria have peace. So it seems like the persecution that was instigated by Saul has now resolved itself. And the gospels going forward... um, and they've been scattered by that uh, that persecution, and so the gospel spreading through the, the the you know the persecution itself because they're scattered. But here it's it's going out. So I, I'm not sure where Lida is uh, or Sharon, but um, I don't know that those are the the primary things to focus on in this. But as you look at this text, what are some things that you see that stand out? Um, you know, in either in the life of Peter or in the attitude or kind of response of Aeneas,
1: um, I see faith in action. Um, faith, both both on Aeneas's part and Peter's part, um, of Peter having the faith that what he's doing and saying is true and going to happen, and then Aeneas um, having the faith that what Peter is telling him is true as well, and then the action of. Not just getting up, but immediately getting up. So that was some pretty quick faith um, that he had, and what Peter was telling him, and then the action to get up and actually do it after eight years of being bedridden.
0: Yeah, I mean, you think about that that piece right there that you just mentioned. After eight years of being bedridden, we see this earlier in the part of, in Acts. Uh, when Peter and John are entering the temple or the synagogue and they heal a man that was lame from birth, there is a physical side to this healing that is, it's, it, it just inst- I guess it indicates the supernatural component in the power of Christ that a guy that's been bedridden for eight years, the muscles that have atrophied, the nerve pathways that are no longer functioning, like There is some physical pieces to this, like pro athletes that get injured and have to relearn how to walk and have been bedridden for six months, have a ton of rehab and PT they have to do in order to have the strength to do this. And here we have a guy after eight years is immediately, like there's that word, immediately yeah. he gets up.
1: It doesn't happen. Yeah. It's besides Jesus. It's a miracle uh, to, to your point, you know, we've, we've all seen those stories or heard, but for somebody to be bedridden for eight years, the atrophy, you're not going to just be able to get up and just walk off unless Jesus had a part in it like he did. So it's a miracle within a miracle. (laughs) Well, and
0: that indicates that as Peter and the others are going out, they're not just going out in word and demonstrating the, the gospel of Jesus in word. They're not just telling people, but they're showing people in word and power that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the king of the universe. And to demonstrate that or to confirm that he has power even over our physical bodies. So when they declare him healed, uh, he's healed immediately. And so it's that, yeah, it it is accompanied by power. It's not just word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you also, uh, there's a sense in which it's interesting, it says, after he's healed, the, to demonstrate that he's healed, he's told to rise and uh, make your bed. Like there's this, this putting away of this location where he's been bedridden and paralyzed for eight years. And now he's to make it as though he's going to be leaving the bed for a while. And so he's leaving that behind. Uh, is Does this the ESV kind of say, actually just, say just, make up your bed? It says rise and make your bed. Okay, mine says
1: N I V says get up and roll up your mat. So
0: okay. Yeah. So um this concept of you're you're no longer tied to this location where you've been tied to um, yeah. this this spot. Make your bed.
1: Um I like what you said yeah, though. Make up the, your bed or even roll up your mat is is hey, you're not gonna <laughs> You know, when you make up your bed, you're not gonna be visiting it anytime soon, you know. Because if yeah. if you were You've it's got like stuff you would say make it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It implies you're gonna be leaving that that place for a while. And and in this, um, there's an indication that when Jesus heals you, whether you're physically paralyzed or whether you're in bondage to sin. Um, and we have these broken uh, you know, ways in our heart, and they become healed by the power of Christ, we're not to return to those. Uh, we're to leave them. We're no longer uh, tied to them or bound to them. We're freed from them, and we have new life in Him, and so we're no longer required to live in those ways. But so many people... They don't resist. They, they maybe even think that there's, there's some sort of habit that's formed, and so they have to continue in that. I, I don't know. I had yeah. a guy in my office recently um, who expressed freedom, and because he had realized the power of Christ in his life uh, and a, a sin pattern of over 20 years, he, in, in a moment, when he realized that he was free from that and he had the power to resist it, he shut it down in a moment and has left it after 20 years in bondage. I mean, it's crazy, but it's, it's, mir- it's yeah. miraculous. As much as this is miraculous, that's I think, is also miraculous.
1: Yeah, and, and to the people listening that are like, well, I can't relate to Aeneas, you know, um, you know, as far as being paralyzed and all that to, to your point and your, your friend, you know, it's, it's, it can be anything that, that any kind of sin that you might be dealing with and struggling with the same thing applies. If Jesus is calling you to get up and roll up your mat or make your bed and leave that sin, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of resonates for me and stands out to me for sure.
0: Well, and to, you made a point earlier, I think it's important that faith is, is always true faith is accompanied by action. It's demonstrated by action. Uh, James gets into that quite a bit, you know, show me your, your faith apart from your works. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically says, that's impossible. I'll show you my faith by my works. Like my The way that I live, the way that I act in and in immediately obey is a demonstration of my faith. Otherwise, it's just lip service.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we see that this activity, this faith demonstrated by Peter, this faith demonstrated by Aeneas, and then his accompanying immediate action of getting up and making his bed causes the residents of Lydda and Sharon to turn to the Lord. And so it causes more faith, true and active faith, begets more and more faith, more people come to Christ because they see that faith in Earth, action. Yeah. The so miracle a within a miracle
1: point. and then faith turns to more faith. God's doing a lot right here in yeah. this verse. Yeah. It's
0: packed full. So as you, as you kind of stand back and look at a passage like this, what, what for you is the, okay, go and do peace. What's the significance for you and how do you live in light of that truth?
1: Yeah, it stands out to me that, you know, like I said in the beginning is, is the faith in the action part and, and how they, they, they work mm-hmm. together. Um, but then also, you know, just the action part resonates with me, you know, get up and roll up your mat, um, get up and make, make up your bed. You know, it's, what is God calling me to do, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, a sin or some sort of relationship that needs to be repaired or, you know, what is he calling me to do that, you know, that, that he was calling Aeneas to do um, and, Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, make sure that I'm listening to his call and, and being, you know, more faithful to what he wants me to do.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think, I think like you, I, I start to ask questions about am I as immediately responsive when I understand what the Lord has called me to do and how to live? And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I, there's latency in my response. It's not an immediate response. Uh, then I look at the faith of Peter. How many times am I given an opportunity to declare the freedom people have in Christ? and the healing that is available in him and that, that he has healed them as they come to faith. And sometimes I'm willing to, to give them other advice. Uh, and it's not always simply Jesus is the answer, but he is always the answer.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a good reminder for sure. Well, uh, Tyler, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to take and read. Uh, if you have tuned into this and this is your first time, what you're observing is two people transformed by by Christ and set free from Christ. Two men that have been told you're healed to get up, make your bed, and and so we're attempting to do that on a daily basis to follow Him in obedience. And we believe this to be the very Word of God, the Creator of the universe. And we believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, the Son who came, lived, died, and physically rose again from the the grave and conquered death and conquered the grave and has set us free from sin and death. And so we have life in him. And we believe that this word is a source of life and will produce more faith in other people as we walk by faith. And and so, if you have questions, if what we've said has stirred any curiosity, you can always email me at takeandreadpodcast@gmail.com. I can get any questions you have for Tyler. I can get those off to him as well, so he can respond. But I would encourage you if you have stories of faith, if you have stories in which Christ has uh, healed you or set you free from things, leave those in the comments. Uh, you have no idea how encouraging that can be to other people. I promise you. Your story of God healing you will be an encouragement to other people at a a particular time in which they probably need to hear it. So leave comments, share uh, your story with other people. Uh, You can share this podcast with other people if you think it would be helpful to them. Uh, Again, my goal is to get more and more people reading God's word because I think there's power in that. And so I want to encourage everybody to share this with those you think might benefit. And again, thanks for tuning in. And I hope everybody out there as know goes, takes, and reads the word of God. Blessings.